0: or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the hemp guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com
1: so uh, see how this goes. Anyway. Thomas Howard, you may just need to hold it because it's lower. Anyway, my name is Thomas Howard. I wrote a book on the marijuana laws back in 2010 during my first year of practice, and it sold okay. It was the third book that I had written, um, so I did a small printing, a couple hundred, and it sold out, and I would be making about $5 per book that I sold. And then I got a job at a fairly large law firm see here the clicker is the clicker technology is wonderful just just the best um, so this clicker has a button and uh, the button doesn't necessarily work but uh, the point of the story was I got a job at a larger law firm which is on the slide you just can't see it Uh, And uh, then I found out that I could make hundreds of dollars an hour for writing briefs and and other stuff. And so I stopped promoting the book. Also, it was 2011 at the time. It's a it's a bank law firm. Uh, It was just not on the agenda. The practice area in that firm I helped to find six years later in uh, almost 2017 because there was actually more demand then. And then I started my own practice. There we go. But this is something you're going to want to do to pay attention to until the end. Uh, If you do, I will tell you what U.S. Chief Justice, what U.S. Supreme Court Chief Justice was the uh, he was a congressman at the time. And he's responsible for the first Marijuana Tax Stamp Act back in 1937. And it was a lie that was told that we're still all living it. Now, it's uh, 2019. So that means, uh, right, I stopped promoting the book started promoting it again back in 2016 simply because there was a market and people needed help and I knew a lot about it. And so I help employees, employers. Uh, Sometimes you have to deal with the state. That was one of the calls. We are waiting with bated breath from a bill from two senators, well, one senator and one rep, because in Illinois, we have a bicameral legislature. It's Senator Steen and Representative Cassidy. And they're They should have had this bill already two weeks ago. That's when they said they were going to have it because J.D. Pritzker put 140 million bucks of uh, licensing on his budget for uh, adult use cannabis. So far, all they've done is they've given us one bill about, uh, and this is the presentation that we're going to go after one bill about the safety and soundness of banking uh, cannabis related businesses. Now, This isn't necessarily cannabis, and the title of the presentation is Hemp, the newest agricultural commodity, because that's what the Farm Bill has done. It has essentially created the first agricultural commodity since I don't know what, because corn and soybeans and coffee and orange juice futures and all these things. They've been around for years, but you haven't been able to trade, buy or sell uh, hemp. So, again, crop insurance we're going to discuss. What about the futures markets? How do you know what the price will be considering this wave in popularity of CBD, and I have a slide on it where I think maybe we're getting to the bubble time of it, but who knows, because there wasn't that much grown last year. There was only 25,000 acres farmed, so uh, but you're like, well, wait a second, it's legal, right? Farm bill, Illinois law, both legal. Yes, correct, but you cannot right now get an application to the state, you see, after a bill becomes a law, what happens? Why does it take so long? It's the regulation process. The lawmaking is almost quicker because uh, bills become a law. And let's just go over that and let's get back to seventh grade f- civics real quick. And the reason is you have the bills that are introduced, both houses, same bill. And then they go to committee. That's where they get marked up. And that's where the bills can like diverge passed by both houses, usually through reconciliation. The farm bill uh, happens very frequently. How did it get passed? It was on the omnibus budget, right? So they had the farm bill, both houses, goes to committee. Eventually, is it going to get passed? No, because they couldn't get an up or down vote on it. But what do they need? Well, they, they need to fund the government, unless it shut down again. So they need to fund the government and the way they do that is they just take all these bills and they put them on as riders, and this this funding bill becomes huge, and that's how the farm bill became law. Donald Trump sold, uh, signed it back in December of 2018. So now that's the signing process. We are getting into the rules and the comment period, and then final rules, and then they'll start taking applications. This is not that different than the Illinois law. The Illinois law. The rules, the first publication of the rules, they came out effectively on January 1st. It was a couple days before, but you know, to, to keep it straight in your mind, you can have it be January 1st. Then they published the rules, and then they had the first comment period, which just ended February 11th. So they've had the first publication of the rules in Illinois and the comment, so now we're waiting on the final rules. And then after you have the final rules, eventually, then you can start uh, submitting your applications to either grow or to process so federal update we did classify a lot of this okay so here is what and there's also some some information that other speakers will be able to corroborate or not because i only use a cursory google search to see if those prices were i just wanted to see what they were going for ballpark you know beyond the regulations but the farm bill has officially reclassified hemp that's one of the reasons why i said you know it's the first agricultural commodity of the new century. Uh, I don't know what the last one was. I couldn't find that. But uh, a whole bunch of markets need to come up now so that it can be grown just like any other agricultural commodity. Uh, Now, industrial hemp, of course, it is cannabis. This is all cannabis. There's only one difference, and that has to do with the amount of THC which is present in the plant. And so that is just a line in the sand. Laws are things that we make up, and then we enforce them. So the thing we made up is we have this plant called cannabis, and if it has 0.3% THC or less, it doesn't matter what the other cannabinoids are, just 0.3% THC or less, it's officially industrial hemp, and there's varietals of that. One of them that's quite popular right now, of course, 70% of it is grown for its CBD uh, profiles, and good CBD clones uh, that you're growing for that flower uh, from what I've heard from other uh, cultivators in the, in the United States, not here because we don't have any, uh, Wisconsin did grow 1,500 acres of hemp uh, last year, though. They're beating us in that. Uh, they they have varietals that will get between 15 and 18% CBD and stay below that 0.3%. So that's the real uh, crown jewel, I guess, are the ones that would make that money because they said that the CBD hemp can get about 8,000 an acre but corn is only about 600 an acre in revenue at the end, but the the hemp would require half the water. Now, that was a cursory Google search on that. Ask people that are familiar in the industry if that number is correct, but that seems like a very good value proposition on here. And so uh, the, the Farm Bill doesn't talk really about permitting much, and it does give stuff over to the Department of Agriculture and the FDA to issue those rules, and that's where we're at right now, Regulations, they're coming. We're in the rules process. The federal government is supposed to get, I think it's the FDA, supposed to present something on CBD itself uh, next, no, is this March? Yes, it's March. So next month in April. And more, yeah, regulations, those are taking effect. Oh, this is is good. Now, we talked about the 0.3%. So that 0.3%, what happens? If life finds a way, like Jeff Goldblum said in Jurassic Park, and the seed that you bought, for some reason, not your fault, comes in at 0.6% THC, your crop is worthless. You have to destroy it. And moreover, are you guilty of growing hundreds, if not thousands, of plants of what is defined as marijuana? Because you, you're over the 0.3% threshold. Now you're magically a new plant, which is federally illegal under the Controlled Substances Act. It's called Marijuana, and it is right there alongside heroin. And in all of these uh, bills that, that come out that I watch for the federal, which one is probably the most effective at uh, addressing cannabis in the Controlled Substances Act? It's probably a straight descheduling because most of these federal crimes are written in a way that don't implicate a particular Schedule I substance. You know, there's not different RICO crimes if you're trafficking in heroin versus if you're trafficking in cannabis, it's still trafficking in a Schedule I substance. So if you just delete cannabis from that act, you deschedule it, all these crimes, like the ones that are keeping uh, banks from lending to the cannabis industry, they're gone. So that's why we support de-schedule. But uh, the way that the Farm Bill is written, if you're innocent and for some reason your crop has come in heavy on THC, it is not, going to be a crime. And also, you don't have to have a license. Uh, And so then there's some licensing processes that come in into the future. You still need to comply with the states. So they've written the farm bill in a way that's going to open it up for the states to be the main regulatory authority, which which makes sense. And then uh, crop insurance will become available. It's not out yet. It might not be here for the 2020, I'm sorry, the 2019 crop year should be ready by 2020. And then uh, futures contracts, you know, that, can you imagine how much worse the the corn and soybean markets would be if you couldn't access futures markets, if you couldn't sell them? I mean, if, oh man, but I I don't want to think like that. And that's kind of how, where hemp is right now. And in the future, would there be uh, more than one hemp futures contract? Would there be a hemp futures contract for uh, your industrial, you know, the stuff that's going to make this? Uh, that car door versus the hemp futures contract for <coughs> cbd varietal flower perhaps they don't exist yet there's a lot of opportunity in the future so let's talk about illinois all right illinois and the feds they have a lot of similarities again this 0.3% that's the same they aren't they aren't doing that now here you get the licensing and you get two types of license. you have a license and you have a registration now that's, that's the difference. If you're cultivating, you need a license. Growing it, you need a license. If you're processing it, you need a registration. Interestingly enough, the application fees, exactly the same. Can you believe that? The state of Illinois wants money. And the Department of Agriculture is, are, is the regulatory authority that's in charge of coming up with rules for testing for purity, testing for THC to make sure that you know, it doesn't go above, And the first rules again were published in 1218, basically January 1st, public comment closed. Right, and that AOSCA certified, that's another way that they're trying to combat the um, uh, seed coming in that produces cannabis or marijuana as opposed to hemp. Uh, They have to provide what type of seeds and that AOSCA is some type of seed certification association that has a particular stamp that you can trust and now the, the real exciting thing, let's get into the actual applications because this is what everybody here who's going to cultivate wants. So the application must be signed, complete, accurate and legible. Good. 90 days prior to planting. I, I, that's one of the rules that a lot of the organizations have been pushing back on because 90 days prior to planting, do the math in your head. You're not even allowed to apply right now because they are not taking applications. So right there, you're June 7th, and that's kind of getting late. Name and address, of course, type of business organization. Then it gets, uh, the difference really between these two is going to come down to the real estate description. So if you are growing, cultivating, they want to know, and they want GPS coordinates and all that. They want a very specific description of the land in which you are growing. Map of the area boundaries with square footage, because they're trying to, at the end, the final report, you'll see what they're trying to get at. And document proving it's a farm. There's some tax documentations that you have your farm. And then you have your fees. That's for both. It's whether you're going to register and be a processor or whether you're going to uh, farm it and be a cultivator, you have to pay a $100 application fee, and then you get the $1,000 licensing or registration fee. And let's say you're gonna plant 25 acres, but then all of a sudden you say, oh, it's go good 30. So you need a change order. That's two hundred dollars. Um, and you'd have to, again, amend your your application so your license can then reflect it. But the rules aren't over. Let's see, because you need to do a pre-plant report. Now, the license of registration is going to be good for three years. No felons or dishonest criminals for five years prior. So, you know, if your felony is six years old, I, from my reading of the rules, you can do it. Uh, Processor and registration are about the same, but no real estate The registration application is pretty much the same as the cultivation application, except you don't have to include anything about real estate description because you're actually going to be processing it. And then the pre-planting report must be done 30 days prior to planting, which again, kind of over-regulation if you ask me. You have to do a a licensing and application three months before you plant that provides Pretty much all the same details as this pre-planting report that's 30 days before you plant. I don't know why you can't, they didn't write the regulations in such a way that there was just once. So that's that's seed verification. Again, that was the A-O-S-C-A. Uh, What type of varietal, whether it's you're growing it for its herds and its stalk and its fiber to make industrial applications, or if you're growing it for its uh, CBD flower. And then the source information, you know, where did you get these seeds? Just because think what happens if you come in with a crop and there's some high uh, CBD strains out there. For example, Argyle is a very popular medical marijuana strain. Argyle comes in at about a one-to-one CBD to THC ratio. So a lot of patients really enjoy it. What happens if all of a sudden it turns out that's what you were growing? Well, if it was innocent, then you don't have any criminal liability, but uh, on your source information, state of Illinois is going to like look and be like, huh, this seed company sold all this Argyle seed. We better follow up with them. All right, the regulations still are not over. You have to harvest, and then you have to provide a final report. So that is one application and three reports. 30 days before harvest, you have to file a report saying, when do you, uh, the intent of the disposition. That's early today when we had the introductions Who's going to grow? Who's going to process? Make sure you introduce each other because you're going to have to report that to the state of Illinois. You also have to provide the harvest dates, which if you've harvested before, weather permitting. Right. Now, a change more than five days requires notice. So what happens if it's really wet uh, and when you're trying to get out in the field and you have to wait? You know, you have to provide a notice to the state that, okay, now I'm going to go get my hemp. Uh, And then, of course, on or before February 1st, which kind of, you know, when cash rents, and again, I'm a bank lawyer, I do represent uh, lenders, and there are a lot of ag loans that we we work out, so I'm familiar with the ag economy in that respect, Uh, and your cash rents, I believe, usually is February 1st, could also be March 1st, it's been a while, but uh, on February 1st, you have to submit to the state of Illinois a final report providing, and this is data, they're trying to collect data from you, total acres, which... Again, total acres, I guess you've already disclosed it once. Maybe you decided to farm less. Maybe you decided to farm more. Maybe that's what they want. Uh, each variety planted, they want to see how much. And it's about 70% of the hemp right now is grown for its CBD. So is that, are we commensurate with that? Are we growing more industrial? Are we growing more medical? Uh, and then total acreage harvested, now they can start getting yield data, which you know people like to track that yield data so they know what earth is the good earth. Total yield. So let's turn now to the whole FDA and CBD legalities. So uh, CBD and THC, they are technically drugs. And uh, maybe you guys didn't know this. If you well, you didn't read my book. That's all right. Only about three hundred people bought it, and then I started becoming a lawyer. Uh, but this U.S. patent, sixty-six thirty-five-zero-seven, uh, comes from about two thousand and three. And the name of the patent is actually cannabinoids as antioxidants and neuroprotectorants. The state of Illinois, not the state of Illinois, the federal government issued this patent to itself, which is kind of a kick in the butt. You know, if you when you're looking at the cannabis laws, it's like, hey, come on, man. Not only are you criminalizing this plant, you then took its principal actors, its cannabinoids, and then you issued your own country a patent on it for its neuroprotective and antioxidant benefits. What the heck? But uh, that will go off patent here in about six years. And so then the cannabinoids will be off patent, kind of, kind of because GW Pharma just got approved for Epidiolex, maybe that's how you pronounce that. It's essentially uh, CBD because there's a difference between a full spectrum extract and an individual chemical. The individual chemical is a drug which GW Pharma has the rights to actually sell now as this, this chemical. They also have the one for THC, which they call Cetibex. And that is a different type of regulation. So if you're hemp that you've grown and processed and you really are just saying it's CBD, 100%, yeah, watch out for that. You might get a cease and desist from GW Pharma or from the federal government. So watch out. Don't do that one. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the difference. So the NDI, the new dietary ingredients, this comes from a law back when Clinton was in power called the uh, Shea. And do I have it? Well, it's the drug safety. No, I think it was the Dietary Supplement Health uh, Enforcement Act of 1994. It was a drug. You know, the the herbal supplements have different regulations than your pharmaceutical drugs. And this is really where that comes from. The Deshaies uh, Law from 94. And that said, uh, the NDI, the new dietary ingredient, there's two types. If You're before 1994. You were in the food supply. You're grandfathered in. From after 1994, you're out of the food supply. You don't qualify for that grandfather clause, and uh, you have to be uh, you have to be approved. Now, I'm not sure if you ever heard of something called hashish. Hashish is a full spectrum extract of cannabis. Now, typically, that hashish is a full spectrum extract of marijuana because it's it's extracted for its high THC uh, uh, content. Doesn't necessarily have to be but it is in the food supply before 1994 as hashish is hundreds if not thousands of years old and we've known about it. So it's grandfathered in and that's why you see all these CBD bottles will probably say full spectrum uh, hemp or uh, tea. They would probably then, it gets into puffery and advertisement of how prominently you want to uh, put the CBD on the bottle and you have to just be careful to not go too far. Uh, it's not all that different from herbal supplements. As you are aware, this, this DeShay Law didn't necessarily regulate them all that difficultly, uh, simply because if it existed before 1994, you, you pretty much got a free pass. So your vitamin C's, your ginkgo bilobas, all these things, you really don't know what's in the actual supplement because they don't have to uh, test for purity and all that. And you'll see it in the news sometimes about how do we really know what's in our supplements? And the reason that we don't is because of that law. So, right, if it existed in the food supply, hashish, that's uh that's a good question. I can't answer it. I'm not sure how old hashish is, I just know it's old. And that gets back to the full spectrum. CBD legality, and this is an email I got uh from a yoga school that I've been to promising us CBD yoga uh, of two hours and 25 bucks, man. All right. But uh is this really, a, is that like the top of the bubble right there? When you're like, if if this would have been yoga and Bitcoin in 2017, would I have been like, hmm, might want to sell my Bitcoin? Uh, and I don't know, because with CBD, are we really at, I realize it's a yoga class, but are we really at full saturation? Maybe, but probably not. Oh, and then there's grass. It's another uh, federal regulation that uh, your full spectrum hemp's Uh, might fall under eventually. It hasn't been done yet simply because up until very recently, it was all federally illegal because of the Controlled Substances Act, which was changed by the Farm Bill to allow for hemp. And uh, grass is generally regarded as safe. Now, one of the things that you'll hear a lot of uh, cannabis legalization activists tell you is that nobody's ever died of cannabis. Nobody's ever overdosed on it. And so because of that, There's a high likelihood that CBD may one day be grass or generally regarded as safe. Nobody has yet submitted an application to the FDA to get that uh, distinction, uh, but some of the CBD companies are working on it. So, yeah. Then it gets into supply chain issues and insurance. The supply chain issues are going to be difficult because you, well, there's a few. Uh, First, on the, uh, the state regulations, you need to tell you, uh, the state who you intend to sell it to. And then they've bifurcated, growing, producing. And it gets bifurcated again because a lot of these uh, CBD oils are you know, full-spectrum extracts that use the carbon dioxide to do the extraction process. Not all that different from the uh, vape pens that you see that are full-spectrum extracts of medical marijuana. Uh, and so there's a lot of facilities and equipment that you need to be able to complete this extraction process. Here's the rub. Let's say that you are Cresco or a revolution or another one of the medical marijuana providers and cultivators and producers in the state, and you already have the lab and the facilities that you need to do this extraction process. And then whole bunch of hemp comes in, the harvest is there. Hey, our CBD flower is excellent, we yielded 18%. It's fantastic. It's gonna be a really, really good extract. Okay, bring it in. No, 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 no. You have to build an entirely new production facility for that because currently the hemp is over here and the medical marijuana is over there. So that's one uh, ripple in the uh, process to get your hemp to market that might wanna be addressed through future uh, legislative change. The next one is the crop insurance. It doesn't, and from what I was reading from the Brookings Institute, uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be ready to go for this crop year for any number of reasons, from the rules not being in place to you have to, you know, you know how insurance is priced. You have this new agricultural commodity. So how can you make the insurance premium or whatever the payout's going to be on it if you don't have any data to say what the, the law of large numbers says about it? Because there are no large numbers about it. I guess you would have to look at the rainfall patterns and other stuff and, and try to come up with the likelihood to fail on it. But they will get your crop insurance for hemp. It just might not be in the 2019 crop year. So, yeah, like I said, and then futures contracts. I, I was uh, a producer told me that high quality CBD flower is going for uh, twenty five bucks or more per pound. OK can I enter into a future contract right now with a, uh, a, a processor that will accept my uh, hemp uh, crop at a specific price right now? You know, it, Now, it, the commodity pits, they don't have hemp yet. So that might be something that comes in the future. I don't know, because that's more private industry. I, you know, Your commodity futures, those are the you know, Chicago Board of Trade and Exchange maybe one day and i'll be in chicago tomorrow and my cousin uh was an oil trader and i've been asking him about this like hey uh what do you think should we we try to come up with a futures contract for for hemp maybe um so yeah but what's the price of a bushel of corn those futures contracts help create stability in the price so that uh, farmers can actually do their business Soy, same thing, hemp. So and then that was a question that I discussed earlier is, will there be uh, individualized futures contracts or prices for the different types of hemp? Now, it's not just hemp, kind of like corn. Now, again, there's, it's not just corn, but there's typically a type of corn that most people grow, and then corn is abstracted into just being that thing. I'm sure it's the same with soy or sugar or anything like that. There's different types in, inside of it, but you know, usually when you're growing it soy for soy, Well, I'm sure if somebody was here from ConAgra, they'd say, oh, no, we can make everything from it. And same with hemp, right? All right. Uh, So let's, let's recap one thing. If your CBD has no THC, you will be free. That's a good turn of phrase that you can always remember. So if you're creating hemp for its CBD and it has no THC in it, you are okay. However, if you're creating hemp for its CBD, and the seed screwed up, and it's got more than 0.3% THC, well, I hope that you have some insurance on that, or, or a futures contract so you can put it to somebody, but um, you might not. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, CannabisIndustryLawyer.com, or you can just Google Cannabis Lawyer, I come up. Um, Facebook, it's Facebook.com backslash free THC. And you can always subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is going on, and uh, five people are watching it. Hey, 500 people. All right, we'll add them to the the number. Uh, that's YouTube.com backslash Cannabis Legalization News. I have absolutely no idea how I'm doing on time. And great. great. Now, do I have any time for questions? You have uh, some time for questions. Okay. For sure. Are there any questions? Yes, sir? uh, certain states yes and uh, Illinois is getting in line Uh, Wisconsin just did 1500 acres of hemp last year Uh, I want to say Montana and the western states are some of the larger producers I know because uh, the hemp bill was championed by Kentucky, Senator Mitch McConnell, Kentucky, I think, did about 7,000 acres last year. So there are other states that are in the lead, but Illinois is an agricultural state and we got a lot of good dirt. So give it time. But um, yes, there are. Yes. gotcha Uh, right and there's two types of cultivation you can cultivate indoors so you know that that seed it doesn't necessarily matter you manufacture this on but what I've done for that question is I looked at the medical marijuana uh, well I think it was medical cannabis pilot program so the MCPP that we had that was passed in 2014 and from the time that the first rules were published for the uh, medical cannabis pilot program that we have in Illinois, until the first application was delivered was approximately five months. So right now, again, January 1 is a good marker. December 28th is a little harder to remember. So January 1 was the date that they were published. The six weeks thereafter, the comment period ended. So if we just kind of engraft what happened with medical cannabis on top of where we are with hemp, we still have approximately three more months, but well, a little bit less the, before the state would start taking applications. It's not as hot button of an issue as medical cannabis, so perhaps it will be faster than that. But uh, you know, I checked the website on a regular basis to see you know updates to like where we are in the medical cannabis law, plus also where we are in this uh, hemp law, and there's just uh, no no hint as to when it will actually be open for taking applications. Fortunately, because of the regulations, we know what's going to be on the application. So we can get you guys in an order and make sure that as soon as we have the actual form from the state of Illinois, put it together, and then you see that you have not just the applications, an application on an application and four more reports because, you know, this stuff's terrible. Don't you know that this is the devil's grasp? All right, uh, you, sir. Hey, one comment I'd like to make, we've been working And some of the rules we put up there, like the uh, pre-plant, the report, and the 90-day, these are being considered right now, and campus chances are that it's not going to be what you had on the table. Right. Those were taken directly from the state of Illinois. Right. This is, this is still on the website, but it's not in the <coughs> LDC. Right. And that's the public comment. And then, so they published the initial rules, and there's a public comment, and you're in the industry and you're pushing back on those rules as they had published them. And uh, do you have any insight as to when you think they'll be able to get the final rules? Um, That would be great. I mean, again, these were additional regulations that were published in the original rules from January 1. And then you have that comment period where we say, hey, really, do we need the pre-plant report? It seems a little duplicative. And what's with the 90 days? So thank you very much. I'll I'll talk with you more and uh, introduce myself after uh, the comments. Yeah, I don't think the federal government's going to wag the tail of the Illinois dog in the sense that it doesn't. And the reason for that is because all these other states, they went ahead while it was still a Schedule I substance. So now we do have a law that says, no, it's not. But the regulation isn't in, uh, it has not yet carried out that law that was passed and signed by the president. So I, I don't think that that's something that Illinois is going to defer to the federal government on. Yeah. But but interesting how, again, the, the, the dual sovereignty that we have between the feds and the state, it, it butts heads and it sometimes directly contra, uh, contradicts each other. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for the opportunity to come and speak with you. And I look forward to meeting and talking with you guys all uh, during the breaks.